The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. As spiritual seekers, we often receive guidance on which path to follow. This might be necessary for some time, but as we move along, we need to trust our heart and become our own guide. Welcome to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us, a place where we can listen to everyone's heart. Your companion on the journey is Jill Asselin. Come join us now on this path of inner exploration. Here is your host, Jill Asselin. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Jill. Welcome or welcome back. It's been about two weeks uh, since the last show. Last week was Thanksgiving in the U.S. And um, honestly, it was good to take a break and to come back for the last, um, the last leg of the year. There's less than 30 days left in this uh, old year. So I hope we're going to make... Um, somewhat a good use of it. Um, it's interesting because I've been feeling very, very strange lately. I mean, it's, you know, it's all about spelunking, but sometimes even when you spelunk, I mean, you don't quite know what's going on. And it's, um, I've been feeling a bit slow, a bit out of touch. Um, yesterday I was having lunch with my wife at home and, um, I thought I wasn't there. It's it's very strange. I had a very strange feeling that um, it's not like I was uh, levitating and you know, <laughs> not able to do this, but I had a very strange feeling about um, not being quite there, not being quite connected to the real world. And um, I can't explain that. The, the feeling didn't last very long, maybe for an hour or two. And um, by the time I got out in the evening, it was um, it was fine. But I don't know. It's, you know, sometimes things happen and you don't quite understand. We don't quite understand what it is all about. There may be things floating in the universe. And, uh, um, and at the same time, things have been feeling slow. Um, it looks like not much is going to, at least in our case, in our situation, not much is going to happen until the end of the year. Um, obviously, already working on, on next year's show. And um, I wanted to invite um, a person I met recently on Facebook. Her first name is Christmas, and such a beautiful name. She had to change it on Facebook because um, they wouldn't let her use um, the name Christmas when it is a real name, a real first name. And um, and I thought she would be able to come. She she said um, she would be willing to come onto the show, and uh, she usually channels. Uh, the Archangel Metatron, uh, who is um, the Lord of the Universe, um, which I know a little bit of because I have a, a cube on my altar. It's a, it's a Metatron's cube that I bought a, about a year and a half ago. I, I think I mentioned that um, 
earlier on, and, and I've been using the cube, and um, I've had some uh, very deep spiritual experience last year, especially in uh, in Breckenridge in the fall. And I thought that this woman, uh, this dear woman, Christmas, would be able to come on the show on on New Year's uh, Christmas Eve. You know, uh, there's a show going on. Um, on Christmas Eve, uh, December 24th, and uh, she doesn't seem to be available, and um, she said she would be happy to come early in, in January. And um, I hope that that's what's going to happen, uh, because I would be happy to to have her. It's like a new, a new to give a new impetus to the show. You know, it's when the New Year starts. We all, of course, we some of us have our New Year's resolutions, but uh, I would like to. I don't want to go into the new direction next year, even though I don't have much of a sense of where um, things are going to take me. I would be happy to have more guests and to honor, I think I've been on that path for quite a while now, to honor the sacred feminine. And this is the title of today's show, You're Looking for the Eye, Looking for the Eye of the Sacred Feminine. And um, I want to explore that in the next few weeks and see what happens, what is what is being birthed. Uh, for 2016, what is just around the, which is just around the corner, and um, next week as well, I will be meeting with um, a Roman Catholic scholar. Uh, I mentioned her because I was reading her book not so long ago. Uh, her name is Margaret Starbird, and she happens to be living about 40 or 50 miles from here. And so we're going to be meeting for coffee on, on Tuesday. And I thought. Um, this would be the first time I, I would be meeting a potential guest face to face. I mean, in, f- Skype does face to face meetings, but uh, in this case, it would be very um, interesting. Uh, so, a woman with so much, uh, so much wisdom and so much knowledge, and uh, being able to um, to share a bit of what um, I would like to do in the future and get some uh, some inspiration, some insights about. Um, where to go. I think I mentioned earlier on this idea of uh, offering classes um, for, for us, mostly, mostly for us men, to honor or to nurture the sacred feminine within us. You know, th- these qualities, this gentleness, this softness, uh, which I observed this week a little bit. And... Um, I was amazed how this came about because um, this topic of looking for the eye of the sacred feminine came about, I would say, about 10 days ago. The title was there, was set. It, it um, just popped out in my, in my reality, in my, in my vision. And I, I followed my instinct or my intuition. And I, I think I created the um, invitation on Facebook then. But then nothing much. And usually I, you know, I wait and see what happens. And then a very strange thing. It's been, again, a strange, strange week and strange time in the past um, seven to ten days. And Monday night, I was in bed already. I was asleep around 12.30 after mi- 30 minutes past midnight, obviously. And uh, I got woken up. I got a, a cramp. I get cramps in my legs and my feet from you know time to time. 
maybe it's a lack of magnesium, I don't know, but um, I get cramps. And this one, it was a very small cramps, and yet I could sense it very well. It was in my toes, the toes of my left foot. And uh, it was pretty acute uh, to the point that, you know, I needed to do something about it and and got up and and, and walked a bit. And and that's where more inspiration came. And it's... um, it was a big sign, and I think I listened to the sign, and I went downstairs, I took my laptop, and I started writing some notes about uh, today's show. And it's fir- the first time that, you know, this kind of inspiration takes me out of bed. And I thought it was, um, it was pretty interesting, nothing, nothing extraordinary, but I guess it was really right on target, right on the money, uh, in terms of, of looking for the eye of this sacred feminine and what does it mean in all our lives and um, a couple instances came to mind I think one that had happened that same day that same Monday was um, I went to school to pick up our son and I had been doing quite a few things in the early afternoon so um, I decided to go um, a little early so I was there maybe 15 minutes before his class ended and I was in the hallway talking. His teacher happened to be um, outside. There's two teachers, one French, one um, American. And the French teacher was outside. So I started talking to him, and we were uh, busy in the hallway. And at some point, the English teacher took all the kids uh, to the playground. And so our son passed by me. Uh, he saw me. He was happy. He gave me a hug. And they were going outside to the playground. So I said, please go and stay with your friends enjoy yourself. There was still about 15-20 minutes of, of play. And he did. And after that I kind of disappeared and waited um, somewhere in the hallway to, for him. And when they finally came out, uh, when the class was over, um, he had picked up a bunch of leaves outside. You know, leaves that are falling at this time of the year. And he said, these are for you. And he was so so happy, so enthusiastic, and I thought it was such a such a beautiful gesture. And at the time, I, I paid attention. I uh, acknowledged what he did, and I, I thanked him, and I gave him a kiss. But it didn't register very very deeply. And at night, you know, that same night when I started um, getting up and writing those notes. It finally dawned on me. It said it's such a beautiful example of the sacred feminine. You know, our son was playing outside, thinks about me, and then picks up leaves and keeps them for 15 minutes. I don't know if he brought them back to the classroom or not, but he had them in his hands when he came out of the class. And he said, these are for you. And this is just a simple thing. Just a bunch of dried or drying leaves. Yellow. There were yellow leaves. I don't know if there's aspen in the, um, or birches in the playground, but very nice leaves. And such a simple gesture. And such, um, you know, coming from the heart. And I, I clearly realized that night that um, the sacred feminine is coming from the heart. It's nothing new. It's not a big revelation here. But it's, uh, it's more of a re, reasserting things, reconfirming things. And I think that's what I needed to, to feel deep down from within. 
that this sacred feminine is not is not out there in the universe and we have to wait for the goddess or the gods to bestow this upon us. It is really coming from within, providing that we can pay attention to what's going on in our lives. And also, obviously, that we can, you know, disconnect at times from the mind. As a clear, there's a clear... I wouldn't want to use the word opposition, but obviously when the mind is very busy and, you know, going uh, 100 miles an hour um, into achievement mode, it's very difficult to find space for the sacred feminine. And these kids, in their innocence and beauty, they have so much of it and so much uh, to offer. And I was still... um, Reflecting on that, you know, a very small, a very small event, but with very um, interesting consequences. When, when I came to think of it, when I spent some time reflecting on what had happened, when I time to when I took time to immerse myself in what had happened and and, and honor the the sacred feminine that came through this child, for his heart, it was very um, very touching, as I said. And the next question that came is, um, you know, it's a simple question when you live in a, in a world and there's so many temptations. By temptations, I mean and, uh, so many ways we can get ourselves busy in terms of worrying, in terms of doing something, in terms of this time of the year might be more shopping than anything else. But... Um, and the question that came is, you know, what prevents us from being receptive, from being able to listen to that sacred feminine when it comes through us? It's always there. If it doesn't come, maybe it's because we are not able to channel it uh, properly. We are not able to give it a chance to express itself. I think it's that simple. But the sacred feminine is, is part of us to the same extent... Uh, the sacred masculine and, uh, and the not-so-sacred masculine and the not-so-sacred feminine. This is all a part of who we are. And to answer that question, you know, what prevents us from being receptive to this expression of the sacred feminine, the word that came as yeah, about the ego involvement, I mentioned the mind, our self-righteousness, uh, thinking we are always right. This is my way or the highway. Uh, our blinders. And uh, the next word that came also were very meaningful to me, what I call the limitations of the heart. And I thought to myself, what are these limitations of the heart? And um, somehow, you know, this felt very true very real, these limitations of the heart, what allows us to limit the heart's expression. And I thought to myself, you know, this would be a good topic for a future show. And um, perhaps it would be a future show. I have to think and slash feel how it would go for next week, possibly, or the week after. But this is really a... 
a very um, a very intense question. What does limit the heart? How do we attend to the limitations of our heart? I think in the first place, what is really important is to be aware of those limitations when we are not functioning in heart mode. You know, what is going on if we are too involved into, I don't know, some sort of an activity, some sort of a busying ourselves, which we do all the time. And even if we sit still, which I do tend to do every morning for at least 10 minutes, you know, does the heart come through? When, what does the message of the heart come through? Does it? And how does it? And it doesn't always come through. It, um, I cannot always, you know, feel the stillness of my heart. It feels a bit like a palm, a very quiet palm. And at some point, there may be a stone thrown onto the surface of the palm. And there's a ripple. And this would be possibly a message from the heart. This soft and gentle ripple. So what does prevent us um, from him being able to hear the message? And I gave some answers. My purpose today is not to give you tons of answers, but uh, rather to, to plant the seed. To plant the seed, it could be the seed for a future show. It could be the, the seed for your own reflection, for my own reflection as well. It's interesting because this morning, as I was about to go through the door into the garage, a nasty thought came to mind about something that had happened. And um, I could have gone down the path, you know, the, a not-so-pleasant path of dwelling into that thought and possibly acting out of it. I could tell, obviously, that it was coming from uh, my mind. My mind reminded me something that had happened maybe a month ago or a month and a half ago, a remark that my uh, spouse made to me. And... The question in terms of spelunking, you know, why is it that this is coming back now? This is very interesting. Many tricks coming from our mind. Many tricks that, in a sense, you know, conserve or maintain these limitations of the heart. And I think in this moment, it's very key to be aware and not to be absorbed into some kind of, a, I don't know, activity or whatever thinking patterns, but it's very, it's very important to, to reflect and question. And the spelunking is very much about questioning, questioning who we are, questioning how do we function, questioning whatever goes through our mind, whatever goes through our heart. If beautiful things go through our heart, obviously they come from somewhere, from the heart, but from somewhere within us. And how can, make, how can we make those things come more often on a more regular basis so that it's not being overshadowed by whatever nasty message or messages that we receive from our mind? And I thought I was, I was in a sense grateful that this thought came to mind this morning. I don't know why it came. I still don't get any, any sense. 
but it's a good day for reflecting live with you and share and share whatever goes uh, for my heart, for my mind, in my life, I guess. Uh, we are all human beings. We are all made of, of flesh, of thoughts, of feelings, of so many other things that, um, that at times, I'm going to read a poem next, um, makes us wonder about who we are. And who we are is also a very... Um, a very good spelunking question. So thank you very much. I will, uh, I will see you soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Giel Asselin. To reach the program, call in to one 866 472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Hello again, this is Jill. Uh, thank you very much for listening and for being here today. Live or not, I truly appreciate uh, your presence and your vibrations. So thank you. I was talking right before the break about who we are. I don't know how often this question comes to us. I think it's good once in a while to, um, to spend some time with it. In silence, possibly in solitude. You can find answers in just various settings. It doesn't have to be a... A solo setting. It could be in the middle of a crowd. I mean, you can have insights or ideas about something which is very important to you or to us, which is, you know, giving meaning to our lives. And about two days ago, I received a poem. Um, 
Another poem that I, I like, the Rainer Maya Rilke, this uh, Austrian uh, poet. I was just reading his bio this morning and I realized that he was born in Prague. But at the time, in the late 19th century, it was the Austro-Hungarian Empire, so there was no Czechoslovakia at the time. And he, he produced, you know, as you know, quite a few um, poems in, in both German and, and also French. And the one I received is called, I Live My Life in Widening Circles. And it's a very interesting, uh, it's a very short poem. It's a very interesting way to think about our lives. Are we widening the circle? What comes to mind when I think about widening the circle? It could be a circle of friends, a circle of people that we know. Yes, we know more people, but I said earlier on in the past two or three weeks, we're also losing, uh, at least I am losing some people, some relationships, in a sense that, to, or to the extent that uh, the old is dying. And perhaps what no longer serves me is just, is just melting away, is just shedding away. But it's something that's, you know, I can't help but think about the, the snake, that sheds its skins once in a while. I don't know how often, but when something is no longer needed, then it goes. It goes and it's being replaced by a, by a new I, by a new we, by a new personality. And I think that's what we need to do from, from time to time. There may be occasions or landmarks when... This is taking on more, more meaning, more importance. You know, we've entered uh, a so-called new age. I think we're not quite into this new age, uh, this new Aquarius age. And yet, I believe that things are morphing, the structures that were with us for so many years, so many centuries, some of them are faltering. Some of them are acknowledging their, their you know, their... Their lack of usefulness, in a sense. And that's the way it should be, the way it should, uh, the way the world should evolve. So this poem again is called, I live my life in widening circles. I live my life in widening circles that reach out across the world. I may not complete this last one, but I give myself to it. I circle around God, around the primordial tower. I've been circling for thousands of, for thousands of years, and I still don't know. Am I a falcon, a storm, or a great song? From Rainer Maria Rilke. Now, this is... Um, I haven't been giving much, much thought into this poem yet. You know, what's kind of got my attention in the beginning is the questions at the end. As I said, you know, there's so many ways to, I don't want to use the word define, but to think about our lives and who we are and what our life does to us and to the people around us. I was talking about the rippling effect on the, on the pond earlier on, created by the stone that we throw into the pond or onto the surface of the pond. 
and in a sense, a widening circle could be a circle of water or a ripple across the world, like uh, Rainer Myra Wilkes said. I also love this sentence. I may not complete this last one, but I give myself to it. So you may think that, you know, this circle represents one life. It's one way to look at it. I circle around God, around the primordial tower. I've been circling for thousands of years, thousands of lives, and I still don't know. Am I a falcon, a storm, or a great song? And I think whatever the answer is, we are all part of the universe. At least that's what I think and feel about the falcon, the storm, or even the great song. The storm is created by whomever is creating the weather patterns. I'm not a a weather specialist, but uh, there's things going on that some of us understand and that many of us do not understand. The falcon is obviously a, a creation too, an animal creation that has the uh, ability to fly, that has very keen eyesight, the ability to spot you know, little rodents on the, on, the, on the ground and then dive and then pick them up. When the great song is, to me, more of a human creation, and we can be a song in a sense, a song, whatever the song means. I was thinking, talking about songs and uh, national anthems that many people played, you know, based on the Paris attacks that took place um, three weeks ago. Many people play the Marseillaise, which is the French anthem, and this is a war song. This is a war song that has been written, I don't know, in the 1600s or 1700s. I read uh, some time ago about the history of the song. Marseillaise, you would think, is coming from Marseille, a city in the southeast of France, on the Mediterranean. And yet it's a war song. Um, all the verses are about killing or defending oneself. And I thought to myself, you know, this world, this world, and the people in so many nations are completely out of touch with what's going on. They are still singing. We are still, I'm talking about the French anthem because I know it fairly well. I know a bit about the US uh, anthem. Uh, it's all about a war song um, that was written in Baltimore. I think I read about history a bit more recently. And, um, you know, we're responding. It's like a call for peace. We're responding to uh, deadly attacks aimed at humanity, in a sense. And in response, we offer a war song. To me, it doesn't make any sense. It means like so many of us, we function in autopilot. We are singing a song that calls for more war, that calls for more blood. There's clearly a verse that comes back to my mind now that calls for more blood into the grooves created on the ground. It may be the second verse of the Marseillaise. And that's what I'm saying. It's, it's nonsense. We're calling for more unity, more, more unity consciousness in the world, 
more peace, more gentleness to counter, in a sense, these horrible uh, attacks. And yet, what we offer and what many countries around the world offer is a war song. And it's, I don't know, it's almost unbelievable what the status quo does to people. I've never heard of a claim to, you know, change the Marseillaise, the French anthem. But it's, uh, it's so much needed. The structures, even the cultures we have all around us, are so inadequate for us to enter a new age, a new age of peace, a new age of freedom, a new age of, of liberty. We are so ill-equipped when we think about the heritage that we got from our ancestors. I think it's fairly understandable in the 16th, 17th or 18th centuries when so much was going on, so much calamities, disasters, wars and strife was going on. But we're in the 21st century. Hopefully a majority of us is aiming for a better world, a more peaceful world. And yet what we have sometimes at our disposal, it's something which is not adequate, is the world is not is not strong enough. It's like we're limping onto one leg when what it is that to do is to run, to run to this this new age. And what is needed as well is, uh, is the heart. And I think many of us understand that. And the support that France and its citizens received around the world is a good sign. It is a sign of, you know, of peace. A sign that we are all, all of us are in this together. And yet, you know, what, what do we offer? in terms of support. There's the material support, but there's the spiritual support for the songs we sing, for the words we utter. And, um, and for the wars we wage at times, even if it's a war against terrorism. So I'm getting back to this notion of the, the sacred feminine in which we need to immerse ourselves in which we need to uh, combat, in a sense, to combat or search for the limitations of our heart. The reason this, this theme, uh, this title, you know, looking for the eye of the sacred feminine came to me is about, uh, I think about 10 days ago or so, we watched uh, at home, we watched the second, uh, the second despicable movie, the movie about the minions. The first one was really great. I mentioned um, the change of heart that I noticed. Um, in the first one, there was a great change of heart in Mr. Gru, in Dr. Gru, G-R-U, the supposed one of the greatest villain that went on to steal the moon. He reduced the moon thanks to his whatever shrinker. And then he brought it back to Earth. 
And um, the change of heart that we witnessed in that first movie wasn't there in the second one. There was, um, I think there was a lack of taste. It felt more, a bit more mechanistic, cold if you wish. It felt more geared toward uh, making a successful sequel. The third movie, which came out in 2010, was apparently a big success. And obviously you want to build on that success. But if you're not using the same characteristics, the same drive, and maybe the directors were not aware of what was really driving the movie or the success of the movie, why it pleased so many people. Sure, these minions are very cute. And in the second movie, they turn from yellow to purple. In the process, also, they turn bad. Like, you know, that happens to people. And then they turn good again, thanks to the antidote. But um, there was clearly something missing. There was no change of heart. There was no opening in a sense. A moment of magic, I think, at the end of the first movie was Mr. Gru answering the, the request of the three girls that he adopted and giving them a, giving them a, a goodnight kiss. That was such a change um, between the men we initially adopted the, the girls because the girls we are selling Girl Scouts cookies and they were able to get into the, the villain, the other villain house or fortress. And that's the reason why Dr. Gru wanted to adopt them because he wanted to get um, a way to get into that fortress and still uh, steal the shrinker. And in the second version, there was none of this. There was none of a, a melting of the heart. A melting of the limitations of the heart. Dr. Gru's heart was closed at the beginning of the first movie. And we could see little by little the, his heart opening. Obviously the girls, the three girls did that to him. They made the magic. They turned him around. They turned him around from the greatest villain in the world into such a soft and gentle father that would enjoy doing simple things with his daughters, like reading a storybook, the one that he wrote by himself. And um, in the second movie, there was lots going on, much, much more in, the, in terms of the mundane. I think Margot, the, the biggest of the oldest girls uh, at a date, a date that didn't go very well. And then grew at a date with a person called Lucy. And yet, they ended up getting married, I guess. But And yet, there was not a sense of, how do I explain that? Of something melting, of something being turned around, of being something being stirred up within that creates a realization that we are much more than a spy or a villain or a human being. There's something in us, and I keep going back to 
the story of our son giving me, you know, dry leaves that he collected during recess. It is a simple gesture that says so much and that can melt a person's heart. And I didn't see any of this in the, in the second movie. And my wife agreed. Our son obviously was in a different world. He enjoyed looking, the, looking at the, the minions changing colors from again yellow to purple and back to yellow because of a, a special jelly that is the antidote. But um, I'm talking about something which is more you know, commercial and social. But I think we can look we can look at the sacred feminine and we can look for the eyes or for the eye of the sacred feminine in many different ways. And I think it's, it's an important um, element in a venture that there's something we create as a heart, you know, in the collective. I'm thinking about a collective effort, a team effort, a group effort, wherever we do work. If there's no heart, if there's no sacred feminine seeping through, it's going to produce results, but the results are going to be somehow dry, cold, and not as enlivening and enlightening as an effort made all around the sacred feminine. And that's the kind of a a reflection, a reflective path that I'm taking in the next few weeks to see how this sacred feminine works for myself in the first place. How do I attend to my own limitations, the limitations of my heart? And how do I enliven myself and my environment, providing more, more joy, more peace, more well-being. So I will leave you with this question for now. I may put it on the back burner for a couple of days or a couple of weeks or until the end of the year. But I'm, I'm planning to take care of it and, um, and to bring it back at some point. Thank you. favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. 
Could you be the next legendary leader? That question hinges on your courage and willingness to change. Join Maria Danley every week for Legendary Leaders, answering the higher calling. Be inspired by stories and legend and listen to legendary guests along with live channeling to help you answer your higher calling and become the legendary leader you are destined to be. The world is waiting for you. Step up and join the wave. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Jill Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Hello again, this is Jill. Thank you very much for, for listening. I was talking right before the break about this seeping through of the sacred feminine. I gave a, a couple examples. The one about the, the sacred feminine missing from the despicable too. And I think also that this sacred feminine, this heart, can show up not only towards others, you know, in the show, the melting of the heart of Dr. Gru, towards his daughters and his environment, turning into a, a good villain in a sense, but it can turn towards ourselves as well. And I was reading a message um, every Sunday. There's a, a person called Marlene Switzloff, I don't know exactly her last name. Uh, she channels uh, uh, Master Ilarion, who was a, a sage that lived in the 4th or 5th century. He was a great healer as well. He has obviously ascended by now. And part of the message that I read um, this past week was about loving ourselves. And it's a very simple, you know, simple thought, simple message. But it's... Um, it's a very potent message, and I could see its reverberation into my life on Sunday, especially. Uh, we went to Barnes and Noble just to look at different books, and uh, again, it's the end of the year, so we have a tendency to buy books for Christmas. And there's also a book fair at the school where our son goes, so we're really into into book mode, and. Um, as you know, Barnes & Noble sells calendars. And in the past years, I've had the tendency of waiting until uh, January 1st to buy my yearly calendar, my wall calendar. Because on January 1st, calendars go down by 50%. Usually they are 50% off. And last Sunday, I went through the area where all the calendars were, and I spotted a couple that I liked. There's one about simplicity and there's another one about fairies. Fairies is something that really appeals to me at this time with their special power. 
and I thought to myself, you know, this year I'm not going to wait until January 1st to buy me a calendar. And the thought that came to mind, I'm not worth 50% of what I am. I'm really worth 100% of my calendar. I'm really worth 100% of who I am. And if there's a calendar that I liked, I might as well buy it now because by January 1st, I may be able to save 50%, which means $7.50, which is a, a whole lot of money. But at the same time, this calendar might not be around and I would lose something. And so I ended up buying this calendar about simplicity. There's a, a beautiful image for each month and then a quote. I haven't opened the calendar yet. I'm planning to do it soon. And uh, again, uh, get ready for the, for the new year. I don't know if some of you, some of us, uh, do a year-end review. It's one of the masters I've been working with in the past few years, Master Dwal, you know, encouraged us to, to do this. And there's years when I feel the need to do that. And there's other years when I don't. And it seems at this point that I'm not so inclined to do it. And um, that is just fine. Whatever your heart tells you, what helps me at times is um, to put things down on a piece of paper, meaning my computer, my laptop. And I haven't been writing a journal for quite some times. Once in a while, I jot down some thoughts, but I think most of it comes through my notes when I prepare for the show. They are obviously a reflection of my life, what goes on, what comes into my life. Like this calendar, the blink, it blinked in a sense, and it says, why don't you buy me now? I'm a sign of your 100% worth. And as I said, it echoed very nicely the message that I went from Elion, uh, Master Elion, this past Sunday which said, I'm just going to read a, a small portion of it, but there's one paragraph that I posted on Facebook that really stood out for me. It says, the greatest gift you can give yourself at this time is to pour, pour love to your own being. For as you give love, compassion, and understanding to self, it becomes easier to extend these qualities to others around you. Despite appearances to the contrary, the goodness of the divine within people abounds everywhere. Employ discernment and your intuitive abilities in alignment with your heart, and all will continue to be well. We are always with you, and our love surrounds you at all times. And especially the very first sentence, you know, the greatest gift you can give yourself at this time is to pour love to your own being. For as you give love, compassion, understanding to self, it becomes easier to extend these qualities to others around you. And it, it brings to mind the image that I, was, that I mentioned in the first segment, 
about this, uh, this ripple effect on the surface of the lake. And I remember another story about that. I think it must have been a, a Native American story about throwing something into the lake. It may be a Sioux, Sioux, S-I-O-U-X story. I don't have it handy. It's somewhere in my computer. I may look at it. Uh, but basically, I think what the grandfather was teaching his grandson when he took him by the lake, when he was throwing stones into the lake or into the pond, was that what you throw into the lake comes back to you. And... Um, and in many ways, it's very similar to, you know, pouring love into ourselves, into our own being. Because when we give love, compassion, and understanding, then it becomes easier to extend these qualities to all the people around us. And these qualities, what we offer the world, eventually comes back to us. It comes back to us because the more people are at peace, the more the world is at peace, the more the world is at love, the more the world is ready to give, the more the world is loving and compassionate. And um, in this case, I think it's, it's speaking from the heart, but it makes a lot of sense to the mind as well. And it's, it's, bringing back, it's bringing me back to the sacred feminine. Because all these qualities that I mentioned of love, compassion, and understanding, they emanate, in a sense, from the heart. And they emanate from what is divine within us, from what wants to pop out 100% of the time. This is 100% of our value. This is what wants to shine out of us. Except, as I mentioned earlier, there's some limitations to our heart expressing itself. And again, in the last few seconds I, I have here, I want to reflect internally and with you about the power of the heart, about what it means to give. This is a time of giving. Um, there's a lot going on in the world before Christmas. Uh, there's a lot of partying as well. But there's a lot of people around us, not so far from us, if we want to open our eyes, that are not you know, well off, that they may be living on the streets that may be homeless. And these people deserve the same amount of love, compassion, and understanding than we do, despite their dire circumstances. So obviously, it's a, it's a thought of the heart that I would like to encourage in, uh, in all of us to, to muster and to share in this time of giving for the last um, 28 days of the month, even though 
Christmas is on the 25th. So please go enjoy your days and your week. And I will see you in about a week time. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us on Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. Your personal journey, assisted by your guide and companion, Giel Asselin, will continue next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be sure to tune in again. Oh, 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 o